from New Orleans. This is Mindset. Psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic interviews the leading lights of America's most fascinating city. Welcome to Mindset. I'm Dr. Nick Pajic. If you've seen live theater, cabaret, or stand-up comedy in New Orleans any time in the last half century, there's a good chance you'll know Becky Allen. I live in the French Quarter, and I have a great time. There's a man across the street. Oh, he's fabulous. His name is Mr. Boudreaux. Now, Mr. Boudreaux, he looks like a chiffero, you know? <laughs> Something big with drawers. <laughs> Described variously as the Queen of New Orleans Theater, and the world's only female, female impersonator. Becky Allen is a uniquely New Orleans, larger-than-life person and personality. One night, I was on the balcony, and uh, the, the police, they were all over this house. They were knocking on the door. Mr. Boudreaux, Mr. Boudreaux, we got some bad news for you. We got some good news for you. So he opened the door and says, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is we done found your wife dead, floating face down in the bayou. He said, God, what did the good news be? The good news is there was a half a dozen crabs on us, so we're going to run again tomorrow night. <laughs> this is just the latest of Becky Allen's hundreds of stage performances. Becky is repeatedly the people's choice for New Orleans' best actress and the recipient of a Big Easy Lifetime Achievement Award for what has been almost literally a lifetime on stage. I started out as the first girl in five generations in my family. And my mother was a lady from Mississippi, Hmm. a little small town called Canton. And my dad was from New Orleans, so they wound up still living in New Orleans. Hmm. And when I was born, she just, I mean, she named, my name was Butzman, B-U-T-Z-M-A-N, my last name. And um, she's like, went through her head, you know, what can I name her, what can I name her? It was between Becky and Missy, because she wanted it to be good for the marquee. Becky Butzman was as good as she could figure out with that name, you know. And um, hmm. so she sort of, had an idea that I would be interested in it because she was. And she had had two boys before me. I have brothers, 13 and 10, when I was born. Hmm. And um, so when I came in, she at a year and a half, she took me to dancing school. I went to dancing school and modeling school and singing and, and baton twirling. And, you know, I took all the lessons. I have a feeling that my mother and I were like spirits. And we would watch Earth a lot, hmm. just like... For fun. Mm -hmm. And we would sit down there. And one day, we were watching Earth. And she said, why don't we go down there? Reborn, you know, onto the Earth. And I said, are you crazy? Look how they treat each other. They're horrible. And she said, if you go and you can be born, I'll go first. And then you can be born to me. And I'll make it all right for you. And then it'll be fabulous. We can be together. And then, you know. And that's why I always felt like I had to be okay. Because she had done Everything for you know to make it okay for me. Now my daddy was a great man too. Don't get me wrong. Well, were people mean to you at, at certain times, or there's a sense that the earth is a bad it place at times? In the third grade, I was in the thing and had very. Um, um, it was with um, maybe I was in the fourth grade. Um, I had a late teacher, hmm. and she saw that I was really a good child. You know, like. I didn't talk. I did my work. You know, I was that kind of a, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, they, they would hand out um, like little pads of paper, you know, that, you know, scratch paper. Mm-hmm. And they would say, don't take anything off. And I would never take a thing off unless, yeah. you know, I was work. I was, I followed the rules when I was little. And, um, but something happened to you then? Yes. She decided to put me in the middle of the bad boys in the back hmm. because 
she thought I might give them, you know, inspiration to be better. Or maybe I would, because I would be in the middle, they wouldn't do that. Well, they were horrendous. You know, whenever she would turn yeah. around and they would do, and so I told my mother I wasn't going back to school. And so she went to the teacher and the teacher said, if you tell the principal that those boys are so bad that you don't want to come back to school, I'll move you. Hmm. Well, it ruined my life. What do you mean? She told the principal. She made me tell the principal, me not knowing. This is going to ruin my life. What happened? How do you mean they ruined? Took, they called the boys and they expelled one. Oh, what were they doing to Oh, expelled? they were like... They would take little things and pretend they were cocks and put them in. The, and I, this is pretend beyond my. Like, pretend they were uh, like penises. Well, I mean, they would just do. Yeah, boys. Yeah, are. yeah. I little just want to understand though. For, you it know. wasn't. But it was like to me, it was horrifying. Like out of paper. And no, they were like uh, erasers or you know whatever. But I mean, also they they would, they never shut up. I could hardly yeah. hear the teacher. That's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, but but what she didn't yeah. realize was you can't make a child do that. No. And but she, the only thing is, is that she didn't realize either. And then it was like, oh, well, I, then my mother really got. She went, you can't go, not go to school. You're just gonna have to deal with it. Well, then, how did that change your life? That incident it made me get a hard shell because I was very, very sensitive, as you can imagine. How did that play out in the world? Then having a hard shell. Not badly hard. Mm-hmm. I needed to harden up. Mm-hmm. But if it hadn't happened, I don't know if I would be who I am today. What so, did you do after high school? I went to college, but um, I, that, that kind of theater didn't interest me. No. I started going, and plus I got married to get away from my mother and daddy. Not that I wanted to get away from them, but they were never. My mother wanted to go to New York with me. and You, know, you and, guys were quite attached. I was so attached. I don't know how I'm standing here with my mother dead a year and a half. Hmm. But it was funny because there was nothing left unsaid. There was nothing, hmm. you know, I loved her. She loved me. I even went and lived with her for the last two years of her life. So you married, that's how you got the last name, Alan. That was your f- uh-huh. first and only husband? Uh-huh. And are you got still married? married? So I said I got married once. I knew I didn't want to do it. I knew I didn't need any children. But did you want to be married to him? It's- did I want to? Well, I married him. Yeah. But I did it. I, I guess, you know, when you've been in a fabulous... I had my parents were like the yin and the yang. And they were like... Matter of fact, this is a part that's really strange. I slept with my parents till I was 13. Okay. <laughs> How come? Because I always felt that the there were spirits or beings that were trying to get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. And they would come at night and they would stand around my bed. And not that they tried to hurt me, but they would... Talk about me, and it would, it would, I could yeah. feel that. And so, um, I would, when I would lay between my parents, and that love, that beam of love would go like that, I was so safe. Was it weird to be in your parents' bed at 13 where you're, I mean, well, I, it, you know, my daddy said, Get this kid out of my bed. And then he said, We'll get a, we'll get a, um, a rollaway bed and put, I had a fabulous room now. Would you with, sleep you know, in the middle of them, parents, yes. on one side? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, but um, I, they put a rollaway bed at the bottom of the bed, and I would try to sleep in that bed. But in the middle of the night, when I get scared, I'd grab onto my daddy's toe and I'd pull myself up in the bed. What, but how, how were you able to get I, out I of the bed? I think it was because I knew I, I couldn't. It was in the eighth grade. I had to stop. Tell me some of the, about the, the difficult times in your life and how you... The worst times in my life were when everybody started dying from AIDS. 
in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, but I had I met a wonderful man called Kenny Wesson, and we lived together for 30 years, mm -hmm. and. Um, um, we had a fabulous life in the quarter. And that's one reason I didn't get married. Because we lived together like husband and wife, but he was gay. Okay. But we had such a wonderful, wonderful relationship. Platonic. You know, I could bring anybody home, huh? This was platonic? Like... Platonic, yeah. Okay. But, but... Fair enough, yeah. He, but I don't think anybody ever loved me any more than he did. Okay. And, um, but... Um, it, it, we we went 20 years, you know, until the 80s or whenever they started. Yeah. And then they started dropping like flies. And it, we were such a great couple because I would do the the ethereal parts. One of the first people that ever had AIDS was my best friend, Stuart Bergen. Mm -hmm. And um, he was in um, Charity Hospital. And I remember going, there was like one ward. And it was, oh, you know, you can imagine how it was. They wouldn't, yeah. even, we couldn't even get the people to take him to the hospital. We had to take him ourselves or drag him down the stairs because they wouldn't touch him. And uh, they put him in the thing and they put him in in charity hospital. But I, when he would sleep, I would go around to the other people because what was I going to do? And uh, What was that like for you then? It was a learning experience. Yeah, but me. but I, was I was talking to the, one of the guys and he had been in a coma for about three days. And they said, oh, it's no sense talking to him. He's in a coma. And I went, okay. So I said, hi. And I put my hand on his head. And his eyes opened up and he went, Becky Allen's here. Now I know things are going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you've had a lot of relationships with gay men, but who were really close to you emotionally. Um, but but all, I've, all had, I've had relationships with them where I went to bed with them. People always asked me, especially girls, how do you get gay guys to go to bed with you? And I said, you can't expect a commitment. Is it different to have sex with a gay guy than a heterosexual guy, you think? I don't think so. Are they more emotional or less emotional? I don't know. Well, some have, if they've never done it, they, you know, they go, wow, this silly is what it's like, you know. <laughs> I've had some, some really great times, you know, sometimes they won't do it, though, if they think they're going to hurt you, which mm -hmm. is the opposite of straight men. Right. They don't care. Yeah. You know, it's like, that, that's what I try to explain to girls because it's that if, you, if they think you're going to fall in love with them and want them to take you to the suburbs, mm -hmm. then you've got another thing coming. But I don't want that either. How do you explain being so prolific in your work throughout the years and what drives you? That's what part of the show is about, because, understanding what drives um, people. First of all, I've had to make a living. So, you know, I've taken yeah. on a lot of things because of the money element because my business doesn't pay all that much. Now it's good because they ask for me by name. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, you know, and in New Orleans you have to be very versatile. So, um, I became a comedian, a stand-up comedian, which I've been doing a lot of lately. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, theater is good, but it, it's about the worst paying part of it, but it does keep your name out there. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, I got like the, you know, I have now I have like the Big Easy um, 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 Achievement Award and, and all that kind of Lifetime Achievement and all that. Yeah. What do you think is funny? Truth is funny. And I use that in my act. I always go, because, you know, the, the tr more truthful, the better. The f truth is so very funny, especially when something happens that's, you know, that makes you just gut level laugh. You know, uh, I have a joke that I love about yeah. a girl. Um, we're sitting in the kitchen and her little grandchild comes in and he keeps he keeps going, ma 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 ma, croak like a frog, croak like a frog, and he goes back out and we're talking. She said, we talk, and Aunt Becky and I are talking. So then he comes back in and he goes, ma 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 ma, please. 
please croak like a frog. She said, why do you want your mama to croak like a frog? Because daddy says, when you croak, we all go into Disney World. <laughs> you must get a lot of attention for being famous here in New Orleans. And, yes. And, and a lot of, you know, notoriety. I do. What What is it like to walk around the city and have that? And do you almost expect it? And, um, and I, like... I try never to expect it because I know it won't be there maybe one day. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing is, is that for 12 years now, I've won the uh, best... Uh, entertainer of the year in the wow. in the Gambit uh, readers poll. That means the readers sent it in, yeah. and I don't do it. I don't even send it in myself. Yeah. And it's like it's because I go out and I shake their hands, mm-hmm. and I try to do like the bridge house things and anything for AIDS, and mm-hmm. I try to be a lot of you know work you know different parties give, and give things back. give back so yeah. that they know that I care. And I do try to talk to them and look them in the eye. You know, a lot of people dismiss those people, and it's that's the people who love you. That's the people who really will come and pay and and see you. And you know, and yeah. it's not that I'm doing it for money. I'm doing it because I really do care about them. Yeah, I, I love them. You know, and I want them to feel like they got something. You know, satiated their appetite. I want them. I look why I like comedy better than. Being a, a, I have done, you know, like I did Kimberly Akimbo, where I played a 16 year old girl with the aging disease. And it was a great play, and it was kind of darkly funny, but it was kind of weird, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, um, but it, I had a great time doing it, but I'd much rather go, you know, my nightclub act, I get to go out and be Becky Allen. And that's who they really, you know, what, like right now I'm getting ready to do ball and all. Mm-hmm. And they, I'll see them out there and go, hey, Becky. They do that. But it's like, what? they shouldn't be waving at me on the stage. What, it ha- what has your work ethic developed into, and what has been your mindset towards your work and kind of the way you think about your work and yourself uh-huh. and your place in theater and comedy? Well, I don't want to be bad. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go away and say, uh, my best compliment I ever got was an old man from New Orleans. He said, darling, he said, I really love you. He said, my wife, she loves the theater. He said, I don't care for it that much, tell you the truth. But he said, whenever she drags me to the theater and I ask who's in it and she says, you, I know it ain't going to be boring. Well, <laughs> 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 oh, I fell out laughing because that's the nicest compliment in the world, not to be boring. So you think you'll go on and on and on until Until, until you... I fall out. Yeah. I'm hoping I'll fall out like my mother did, you know. My mother died in, when I was, I was in Harris doing the uh, stand-up comedy and... Um, we were signing autographs, and um, she said, I don't feel too well. And I've never in my life, in my entire life, ever heard her say that. Hmm. So I said, well, let's go sit down. And we sat down, and she looked at me, and then, boop, fell out. Wow. Now they came and got her, and they beat on her, and they did all that, you know, yeah. but it didn't help, and she was gone. If you had any advice to give to people about theater and about, like, how to approach it, if you want to do good in it, what, what would you say? Okay, people always come up to me and ask me, how do I get my child to love to be in the theater? Mm-hmm. And I always tell them, if you can stop them, do it. <laughs> but if you can't, then that little kid's going to be in the theater whether you want him to or not. And if all they have to do, you, let them try one one time. You know, you know, give them the chance to go to a why, thing. Why do you say that? Like, if, if you could stop them, stop them. But because if you can stop them, then they don't really have the desire. I Believe see. me, it's like a drug. You know, it's a theater is once is you get how- out there and you feel, it's like being loved by two hundred men, and it's nothing to do with sex. 
It's the feeling of love. And especially when you... See, my, this is what I have as a talent. Mm. It's not the singing, it's not the dancing, it's not the joke telling. I can take the, the vibrational rate of a room mm-hmm. and take it from here at the bottom and I can raise it to here. Mm-hmm. And that is a fabulous talent. It makes people thrill. Do you read people or you can sense people and then that way you can Well, we can react. all sense people. I mean, you know. But you have a talent for it. Though. I have a talent for How it. How do you do it? Like, if you're because around... you have to know your audience. First, you have to know your audience. Okay. Okay. I, even when I'm doing like stand-up, I'll pitch out little jokes and then I'll see how far I can go. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they're very prudish and you have to be very careful. Don't want to step over the line. You know, yeah. that's Kathy Griffin, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> and Joan Rivers. They step over the line all the time. But they know when they go to see her, she's going to do that. Yeah. I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's like Catholic school. I, I let see. them see just enough. And then, you know, and, I, and sometimes I have jokes where, you know, it's like, um, what do you call a man with no arms, no legs, and a 13-inch member? Slightly handicapped. <laughs> the other day, I heard my doorbell ring. Ding dong. And I walked downstairs. And there he is. No arms, no legs. Girls, you know the rest. I said, uh, hey, what do you think you're going to do? He said, I rang the doorbell, didn't I? <laughs> that caused me to think. So I said, come on in, Corvassier. See, this part I wouldn't tell if, it, if, if they already thought that was too much. Right. Come on in, Corvassier. I call him that because I knew he had to be a fancy liquor. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So, you know, I have like yeah, little, little pieces yeah. that I can so add can... on if I think they can take it. Now, tell me, when you were in grade school, it sounded like that time when you were young. Uh-huh. And that was big. It, it changed, you said, uh-huh. where you kind of you had a shell. But you well, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It just made me uh, take my, like my my. Fee- I could do school. Were you entertaining in school? No. When did you know that you had the talent to raise a room? Um, I did a play called Gypsy, and I played one of the strippers. Um, and I, I had to learn how to play the trumpet. Just that, and uh, it was a great part. And I. The more you get uh, able to be at home on stage and not be scared, because it's it's scary. Let's mm-hmm, face it. Mm-hmm. But um, once you can, you learn that you can really get yourself into it and you can be the character. Oh my God, it's incredible. You can just own it. Yeah, not yeah. everybody can do it. So you know, it's it makes you feel special. Tell me about Katrina. What was that like for you? How? <sighs> well. It's still hard for me to talk about because, you know, mm-hmm. we went away and then we came back and then the house was never the same again. And In the French Quarter. In the French yeah. Quarter. and um, Who were you with? I, I went with my mother um, yeah. to um, Jackson, Mississippi. We had a wonderful time as far as that was concerned, except I can't, I'm not a person who can live in a big family. They had, you know, my niece and her daughter came and it was yeah. me and my mother and then there was two people from um, Gulfport and we were all, they had a big house, five bedrooms, but... Still, yeah. you know, and I'd wake up in the morning. They go, "Ha! What's the breakfast?" And it's like, "Oh Lord!" But when you saved me, when you came back, you kind of sighed there and said, "You know, it's difficult to talk about Katrina." It is difficult to talk about because how come it? it well, it's New Orleans is my is part of my being, and it's like to see it like that, and to see the blackouts. I mean, you know, luck of the quarter was still yeah. there, but if you went just on the other side of the quarter, it was pitch black. And then one day I was trying to get back to my 
my mother in Metairie, and I went down um, to Canal Street. It was pitch black. I went down to Poydras, pitch black. I had to go all the way down to where the the railroad uh, yeah. thing is because they, that's where they had the prisoners, and they had lights there, and I could get up on the expressway. Were you, perform- I, were you, were you performing at that time? No, there was nothing to perform. Yeah, how long did you... Not perform, and then to see it, you know, with with where you know you couldn't even go out. Eight o'clock curfew yeah. in New Orleans. I mean, it's like it, it might as well have been war. What about how long did you not perform uh, after Katrina? Um, well, before New Orleans came back, Carl Walker, who teaches at Tulane, he brought his play um, Native Tongues to um, um, a theater in Lafayette, and I did a a, a show with him and. Um, Carol Sutton, and uh, we did that. My mother even came and stayed with her friend that was in there, and it it made for a little. You know, I'll never forget we were leaving uh, somebody's house, my mother, my mother's friends, when we were back home. But there was no place to go. Mm-hmm. There was no restaurants. Yeah. There was nothing. Yeah. And, and then one of them said, "Well, call me tomorrow if it, whatever happens." And uh, or where you know, and we went. What's going to happen? We going to get is there a plan? It's like it's nothing. There's nothing. Does Katrina still affect you today? I don't like when it rains. <laughs> I don't know. Really? I mean, it's like I had to live in that house where every time it rained, it was like it looked like a Las Vegas, you know, one of those waterfall things. Yeah. In my own home, and it was like that's terrible. I had to push things into different corners that that didn't seem like they were getting. You know, it was. And he was never going to fix it. He still got it. It's still, you know. Wow. Do you think you all ever moved back to the quarter? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. Uh, I just haven't. I've, I'm in the, you know, it's like, it's like I'm still living with my mother, but she just never comes home. She's in my heart. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not ready yet. And um, it's a nice apartment. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to live with somebody else right now. And I don't want to live alone. And if you went to the quarter, you think it would be that well, way? Well, I mean, I, don't, I have a car. I have a dog. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a person who moves quickly, especially with change. Well, you're there for 31 years. I know. Yeah. And then I, that's the one thing about my mother that I always was admiring. She mm-hmm. could leave it and walk on. That sounded like the 1980s losing all your friends. A lot of, many of your friends was... Traumatic, and not just that. Being there and seeing them and seeing them dissipate. Oh, I mean, yeah. they used to dissipate so badly. You, you seem to have weathered it though, and, and pretty because well. Because you have to yeah. let go. You yeah. have to. You know how they always say, "Let go and love." Mm-hmm. And you know, and I've, this is what I do when, before I go on. Every time I before I go on any kind of theater, mm-hmm. I say, "Thy will be done." I put it in the hands of God, because mm-hmm. you never know in live theater or comedy or death. Or whatever. Whatever, yeah. Thy will be done. And I don't mean it to an old man in the sky. I mean it to the energy that becomes all of us. Mm-hmm. I think, if anything, all of us together are God. See, I think that we're none of us are going anywhere alone. You know, how, you know the Jews think they're the saved people, and yeah. you know the Mormons think they're the saved people, and you know the um, uh, there's so many of them that yeah. even the Catholics, you know, they think they're the only ones. No, we're all going. Or nobody's going. It's not like that, and and it's not even that. We we just have to go to wherever we want. We might have to, you know. We there might be so many other things out there. I mean, here we have five senses. We might be able to have thirty five hundred senses. Yeah. Imagine that. 
Right. I mean, you know, I think, you know, we, when it's, it, it's just a shame that we have to let our bodies go. Where do you think your spiritual sensibilities come from in, in terms of uh, guiding lights or... Well, um, my husband, that's one thing we did have, he, uh, he and I uh, read the Urantia book. Have you ever read that? No, no. It's a it's it's a very strange book, but it's like it tells you about the earth and you know how what a great you know it's it gave me a lot of things that I believe. It's called the Urantia. 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 U R A N T I A. Urantia. And um, and then um, the Course in Miracles. I read. You ever read that? No. Is that a, kind of a like a mystical book? Yeah, kind of. It's it's about it's about you know and I I don't always believe everything in any of these books, but um, they kind of um, um, give me and then the Catholic Church of course is very mystical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I keep a little of that you know so they help you organize your thoughts about what you believe yeah, but and I, how but, things are connected. you know when when you get to be about twenty one you start to realize that a lot of the things you're saying and thinking are things that your parents thought. Yeah. So you have to like reassess, and that's something that acid and mescaline and all that stuff helped me with. I, I started so. to realize what I believed, you know, and not just you know what I had been told. Yeah. You know, and and um, what is it like though to if you using one of those substances? What does it do to your mind that helps you figure out what you believe? Well, I think you have to let it help you. It's it you know it that I think it started out like that you know they made it for that so they because you're able to search parts of your brain that you don't know exist it's like wow what's in there you know and the fact that we can but you can't get so far away from people mm-hmm. that that you know that's the trouble with like these weirdo weirdos who live up in you know the mountains and never come down yeah but cuz but i'm not like that i like people yeah. i don't want them to be afraid of me so i don't think you should ever give advice unless asked okay well i'm asking for advice <laughs> <laughs> you know what they always say advice is something you ask for when you know the answer, but you don't like it. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, if you were to give people advice about life, uh-huh. and I said, Becky, you know, what do you have to say about life? You've seen and done a whole lot of stuff. What would you say? It's the best game that ever was invented. It's incredible. I mean, there's nothing like life. Life is is like shooting heroin, and, you know, they always talk about the great big rush well, I mean, that's what life is. Life is is been given to us. It's like a present, and we can do anything we want. And and some of us waste it, but it's okay. <laughs> What's it like to be so positive, though? And and also, kind of I don't think a lot of people believe me. I have a friend, um, oh, Judge Plotkin. When when I was talking with him, and we got on a sort of a philosophy thing, because mm-hmm. people don't think I think like this, because you know they think, oh, she's this silly, yeah, and crazy, yeah. but. Um, and he said, um, are you happy? And I said, yeah. He said, you are? I said, I'm very happy. And he said, I said, aren't you? And he goes, no, I don't think so. And yeah. I went, he said, I like life sometimes, but I don't know if I'm happy all the time. I said, well, you know, I try to be happy unless something makes me sad. And that was why I had to leave the husband. He was unhappy unless something made him happy. Um, and I was happy unless something made me sad, which was a terrible situation for me because I was always trying to fix it. You have to 
to put in your mind what is really important in life. What's important in life is that you live it to the fullest and that you try to make yourself happy and people around you. And I have the ability to do that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, why should I be happy? I should be the happiest person in the world. And like I said, my mother, she, when we were on that thing looking down on earth, she said, I'm going to make it okay. Now, if I don't make it okay for, you know, if I don't make it better for the people that are with, then I will have failed her. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I think we have a divine will and we have a divine spirit. It's no more worthy the divine spirit is no more worthy than the divine will. Mm-hmm. Without will, there's no desire. Let's face it. When they call it creation, is what God does. Mm-hmm. It means that when he comes, planets come out, you know, and it shoots all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like sex is God. So why are we so upset about it? You know, I don't yeah. understand that. I don't understand how they think we could kill a spirit. I mean, even if you have an abortion, the spirit goes back to wherever they were. Mm-hmm. It's not, you might kill the body, and the poor body, it's always being judged against, you know, mm-hmm. you're so willful, you're so yeah. bad, you're so this, until finally we die. I think that we don't have to die. I think that eventually we'll be able to vibrate ourselves into non-existence and take our body with us wherever we go. Do you, do you ever feel like you've been more hedonistic in your life because you, <laughs> because you have the out of that going back to the... That is funny <laughs> that you say that because I have a friend who told me, Becky, you are a hedonist. I was horrified. But maybe I, I mean know. in that you live in the physical plane. You're okay with some of these uh, things that maybe other people aren't okay with. Yeah, I mean as long as they're not hurting anybody, I don't yeah. understand why. You know, even if you like pain, I mean, I would. I think people who like pain are people who can't feel anything. Mm. You know, they. Yeah. So when they feel pain, they feel something. Something. Well, but see, the slightest touch should be exquisite. <laughs> My guest today has been the queen of New Orleans theater, actress Becky Allen. I started out this interview by describing Becky as larger than life, but I think your positivity and happiness and genuine desire to spend your life sharing joy towers over even your stature. Thank you, Becky, and thank you for joining us on Mindset. I'm Dr. Nick Pajic. Mindset is produced by Jennifer Casey. Technical direction by Eric Morrow. Mindset music is composed and performed by Alexis Marceau and Sam Kraft. Mindset is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.